welcome to the Coaching Focus podcast. I'm Trayton Vance, CEO and founder of Coaching Focus. I've been coaching for over 25 years and I wanted to share that experience and those lessons learned with you. I will converse with fellow coaches, chief executive officers, senior leaders and HR professionals to bring you insight into how coaching is being used, the current thinking around coaching and new ideas that will hopefully ignite your thinking and help to facilitate coaching for a better tomorrow. My guest today is Debbie Sweet. Debbie is the Vice President of Nature Journals, part of the Springer Nature Group, originally from the UK, now based in New York. We've been working with Debbie and Nature Team now for around a year. And one of the things I've come to notice while working with Debbie is her compassion. So I wanted to discuss with Debbie her style of leadership and what makes it so human. Welcome, Debbie. It's a real pleasure to be able to to speak to you around a topic which I'm very passionate about, which is compassionate leadership. And working with you in, in the period that I have, I would say that you are also a compassionate leader. So welcome. That's the topic that we're going to discuss. Before we get stuck into that, it'd be great for our audience just to give them a, a quick overview of your background and what's got you to where you are now. Well, great. Sure. Happy to do that. Well, thank you, Trayton, for the invitation. I'm delighted to be here talking about a topic that is, as you say, very close to my heart. And I'll, as you asked, I'll give you a little background. I'm, I've am i been working in scientific publishing for a very long time. I recently moved to Springer Nature, having been at Elsevier for a long time as part of Cell Press. Started out as a scientist, very much trained as a scientist, moved into publishing as a scientific editor and did that for a very long time. But during the course of my career, I've taken on increasingly large amounts of responsibility and leadership roles as well. And currently, my role is as the VP of the Nature Journal. So I oversee the management and progress of the highly esteemed Nature family of journals, including Nature itself, the research journals and the reviews journals team. Debbie, thank you. Well, we're honoured to have you on here. And as we say, talk about the topic of compassionate leader. And I guess the first question that I'd like to start with, from your perspective, what is a compassionate leader? Well, when you ask me that question, the the word that comes to mind is caring. It's being a leader who cares and it being obvious that you care. Trying to make sure that you think about situations from other people's perspectives. A little bit walking in their shoes. I mean, I'm fortunate in that most of the people I manage, I have done the exact job that they do. So that's quite easy for me to do. I understand what they do, but also making sure that they feel valued about what they do and thinking about them as whole people and the way they bring themselves, the whole self to the job and not just in terms of their output. So ultimately, though, it's just caring and coming across that way. And and when you say the whole person, you said whole people, but the whole person, what, what do you mean by that, Debbie? Give me an understanding. Well, we are all individuals. We all have a lot going on in our lives. Um, we have certain tendencies, certain situations, and just realizing that these things can affect how we how we show up in our job and being being um, cognizant of that and cognizant of the fact that not everybody's in the same situation all the time. And I guess giving them space, empathizing with them, making sure that they understand that there's probably more going on for them than just what we're talking about and what I'm focusing on with them. 
Yeah. And you mentioned the word empathize. I mean, some of the clients that I work with, I notice myself moving from empathy to sympathy. And the mm. difference for me is that I, I I take on some of their their pain, if you like, and some of their challenges where actually I should be looking at it from the outside in and, and just sort of being aware of it and not embracing it. So how do you manage that sort of challenge? That is a challenge. It is something that I have struggled with a bit. I think trying to make sure that I don't get too involved, but you do have to keep a balance on that because ultimately I am responsible for making sure that the organization is successful. And I think if I move too far into the into the sympathy, then I I can't keep a good view of that. And I have to sort of be understanding, but nevertheless make a right the correct and balanced decisions for our organization overall and also be fair i mean i can't i have to be fair across the whole organization for all individual people i can't let it get so far that i'm giving one person certain things that make it unfair across the organization i had to think about that too i mean i read something online about this there's a sort of there's a continuum between sort of caring and then empathy and then sympathy and actually in some ways if you go too far towards that you're almost downgrading the person who's sort of maybe reducing their level of the professionalism you're assuming from them. So, I mean, you can empathize without doing that. So I think it's important to be at that right kind of balance level. Yeah. And you mentioned balance and fairness. Just give our listeners an understanding of what you do to make sure that you keep that balance right for you and for, for the people you lead. Okay. Well, I do, I care about fairness. I think it's one of my sort of inherent beliefs that my sense of fairness is very strong. So I, while I want to be flexible and I want to give people what they need in whatever their circumstances are, I also don't want to end up in a situation where one person is getting so much of whatever they're asking for that it becomes more than I could reasonably offer to other people if they were in the same circumstances. So I think you just have to keep in mind that it's uh, that if you give something to one person that can end up causing resentment elsewhere and being being cognizant of those potential things and that sometimes means saying no to someone who's really really wants something because you realize that it would just be too unfair relative to everybody else and the same is true with work expectations things like flexibility over working hours you want to be flexible but you also want to make sure that it doesn't create imbalance or negativity for other people in the team so i think those kinds of things are important to me and the same with discussions about even sensitive topics like salary I mean we have to be careful about that to make sure that we are maintaining equity and fairness across the team yeah okay so fairness and balance sounds like it's a key part of your compassionate leadership Mm -hmm. element And, and I would say working with you for I guess about 12 months now maybe slightly less but you are very much compassionate leader I see that care come out every day Give our listeners an understanding about what that looks like, what that sounds like, what that would feel like if you were leading them, just to bring that compassion alive for for someone who would know that someone's being a compassionate leader with them. It's a really interesting question because I, well, I'm glad you think I come across as compassionate. That that makes me feel good. So thank you. I appreciate, I'm glad that that's your observation. I think it's something that's 
for me has developed over time. I don't think I always was. I think earlier in my professional career, I was maybe a little bit more self-centered, a bit more selfish. Um, but over time, as I've become more senior, I've learned when you get into positions where your success is very much brought about and what you want to do is very much brought about by the people on the team, then you know, for me, having them be sort of motivated, happy, engaged, feeling like a you know I have their backs basically is really important and so that's developed it's developed in me over time as as my responsibilities have changed I think you asked me to describe what it looks like this is tough for me because it's just so sort of inherently part of what I do I'm not consciously doing it it's it's quite unconscious the difference is that I've seen some really impressive leadership examples from other people it's felt like almost giving me permission to do the things that I naturally want to do so I'm sort of be communicative be honest be authentic say what you really think don't worry about being overly formal all the time ask people about themselves ask people about their lives make the effort to get to know them listen to their concerns I think I really need to get people to understand that while I hope they will feel I will listen. I may not always do exactly what they say. And they need to trust me that I am making decisions based on all of the information I have available and doing the best I can for the for them and for the organization. So that level of trust needs to build up too. And I think I can I think I build that through being open and being authentic, being realistic about when there are challenges and that I'm going to have to try and address them. And while they may not necessarily agree with the answer i hope they will understand and i hope they will trust that i'm that i am acting with overall best interests in mind it doesn't mean compromising on my expectations it just means understanding that people will have different perspectives like i said i really did learn a lot from watching someone else do that and the value of that and how much difference it can make how much difference a outreach and personal recognition from a leader can make it's astonishing it happened to me Someone, when I'd had a particularly difficult situation, someone, several, this person who I view as a role model, several levels above me wrote a very um, supportive email saying, I know that was tough, but, you know, I, I believe in you, basically. And it was so impactful for me that it made me realise just how much difference that can make. And it made me want to do the same for other people because it had such a positive effect on me. Yeah, and I, I definitely see that behaviour, not just in your verbal communication but the written communication that you send to your colleagues so I, I see how that that role model has impacted you and you um, show up in that same way so thank you for that with that in mind and understanding a role model what are the things that you do to try and develop compassionate leaders within your own team and within Springer Nature mm. well role, being a role model is a big part of it yep. I, I think the example I set makes a really big difference because I sort of set the tone for the way my team, the team act. I don't like saying my team, it's our team. The way I act sets the tone. And in the same way that I found this other leader who I view as a role model acted and communicated, I, you know, that, that gave me kind of freedom to be more that way because I, I see her doing it. So I feel like I have the space to do it too. I feel like I can you know, pay that forward and do the same for the team that I'm now working with if i if i act this way then i hope i'm giving everybody else more freedom to be that way too and of course we're not all going to behave the same way different people are different are more or less comfortable with different levels of authenticity and vulnerability and that's fine i mean we're, we're none of us are the same but at least giving them that 
showing them that it's okay to be that way, I think is, is a big part of it. And then practicing psychological safety, I think making sure everybody understands that their opinions are valid and I'm listening to them. And um, that's something I have to work on myself is making sure I don't dominate conversations instead give people space. And then there's also through training and raising it and coaching. I mean, if I'm talking to leaders, talking to managers about the way they're approaching situations, they, there are times that things come up that I can maybe make a suggestion about, ask them about how they're approaching it, get them to think about how they're approaching it a different way, just pushing people to think a little bit more that way. But I think it's really giving them the space because most people are naturally quite compassionate. We're all humans. We like to connect with other humans. So so I think given the space, people can shine. And with that sort of space and I guess the pressure on business and the commercial reality of the world as it is today, how do you balance that compassion with delivering results from, you know, for uh, shareholders and stakeholders? Yeah, it is a challenge. We have to keep our eye on the ball. We have to keep our eye on the numbers. I have to sometimes push people if I think they're not doing what they need to do. I mean, I think there's, there is a big element of when someone's not doing what you want, the first question should be, you know, do you have everything you need? Is there some training gap or equipment gap or something like that? I mean, how does it approach it in the perspective of assuming that they are able to do it, but there might be some blocker. But if there isn't, then you really, we really just have to move forward with um, uh, being clear about what the goals are from the outset and doing everything we can to help they get there. Um, people's expectations can sometimes be un- unrealistic or not practical or, as we discussed earlier, unfair relative to other colleagues. And I, that's something I have to keep an eye on and, make, and explain that if the reason I'm not saying yes to something is because of fairness or practicality or whatever, whatever the reason is, be as honest as, as possible about reasons for not doing something that someone's requesting while of course not betraying confidentialities or being because I have you have to be very careful with people related issues not to betray confidentialities I think it's very important that as I said people feel heard but at the same time sometimes they will be asked to do things or hear answers that they're not happy with and they getting them to understand the difference between I don't understand something and I don't agree with something. There is there is a really big difference there. And people often say, I don't understand that decision. And I'm like, no, you do understand it. I think you understand it quite well. You just don't like it. But there's a difference. And, and I, you have to trust that I, I'm making I'm making this decision because I have to, uh, because I think I think it's the best decision for our team and our organization overall. I realize it's not what you want to, but I think it's what we need to do. And um being very clear about the goals too and the, and the rationale behind them. And I think explaining the business goals in a way that people understand. And even if what I'm asking them to do and then ends up being a challenge, if they understand the overall goal and the overall point and what we're aiming for and why we're doing something the way we're doing it, I would hope, I would like to think they can get behind it and get behind the overall goal, even if the specific request of them is uncomfortable for them, difficult, challenging. I mean, we all face things that are challenging. I'm facing things right now that I find challenging. I understand the underlying goal and therefore why I need to make the effort to make it work. And I love the differentiating between people understand it and people don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually, you know, that, that sort of interpretation of compassion there and supporting, making sure that they've got the right resources to, to make that happen and realising that there is that challenge and demands that they're all facing. So it's a lovely way of positioning uh, that compassion. 
when you're coaching and mentoring individuals, what would be some of the advice that you'd give them for them to develop their own compassionate leadership? What would be some of the sort of top tips that you'd provide, Debbie? I would say take time to get to know your team members as people. You can do a lot with a sort of some talking to them about their lives outside work, talking to them about what motivates them, talking, asking them those kinds of questions just to make sure that you get to know them as people so that you can also pick up when they're not happy. I mean, you would ideally like to get to a point whereas if you're in a one-on-one with somebody, you can tell if there's something going on and asking them and you know, directly saying to them, are you okay? They, they may not want to tell you, that's okay but at least they will understand that you care and understand that you're paying attention to it. So that, I think taking time to build that that personal rapport, I mean, people do think about it. So I don't think this is, I don't think what I'm saying is rocket science or very, you know, that most people won't think about it, but investing time in that is actually, it will pay dividends going forward, I think. And it's particularly a challenge, I think, in the current environment where a lot of our interactions are online rather than in person. We're, we're global organizations and we're all working at home. And so we end up with a lot of video meetings rather than in-person meetings. And I think you have to work extra hard on that when that's the situation. And then I think being straightforward and honest with people about what's going on is helpful. I think I've certainly had feedback in the past that I work with a lot of very intelligent, rational people and they don't like not having an explanation. So giving them as much as you can in terms of explanation and keeping them informed and keeping them updated goes a long way towards keeping them engaged, which is really what we want to do. We want them to want to make sure that they feel involved. They feel like they're part of the team. They feel like they're part of the solution and not that just they're having something done to them because that feels very uncaring to me. Fantastic. Time is going to get the better of us, unfortunately, but I, I have one final question, if I may. Um, which we ask all of our guests. And our purpose, Coaching Focus, is coaching for a better tomorrow. So I'd like you just to explain to the listeners what your understanding and interpretation is of coaching for a better tomorrow. Yeah, well, when you say that, the phrase that springs to mind to me is never stop learning. I think that's something that's a a mantra that we should all live by is a little bit like, you know, growth mindset, never, never stop growing, never stop learning. So we, we all can benefit from that and coaching can help us do that. And in respect to the, the topic that we're talking about now or any other topic, I think if we all adopt the mindset of, you know, I am a work in progress. I'm always a work in progress. I've come a long way, but I've got place to go. And coaching can help me with that, basically. And, and I will be more effective the more I can grow and develop, the more I learn and coaching can help me get there. Great. Well, Debbie, it's been fantastic speaking with you. And I'm sure that uh, we've all learned something and grown in the time that we've had speaking around the topic of compassionate leadership. And certainly, you know, you've reinforced my view that the authenticity and compassion that you show as a leader. So thank you so much for your time. And thank you for coming on to the podcast to express your understanding and learning from being a compassionate leader. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, Trayton. That was fun. It's always interesting to have a conversation with you about these things. So thank you. Thank you.